Hey, 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 welcome to episode 235 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Today, Ariel and I are discussing uh, rental applications and how to spot the fraudulent ones. So the rental market is hot. Rental market's really hot. The tenant pool is not. That's why I wanted to start this one. I just had to, I had to get that off out of my mind. It's one of my favorite topics. It is mine too. I actually, I enjoy finding fraudulent applications and, um, and we actually do training sessions with our team. I think most, the average person would be blown away at how common it is. It's actually another, before we even get into it, like you think about an average landlord that might want to quote unquote, save money by listing it themselves on Facebook marketplace and, oh, I've done it before. I've had good tenants before. You would be absolutely shocked at the number of fraudulent applications that are floating through not only the province of Ontario, but right across North America. Yeah. I think there's, so um, Equifax not long ago changed the format of their reports which was, I would say, the most um, commonly used report. Equifax and TransUnion are. TransUnion, yeah. But I find most of them are Equifax. And uh, that report, we would find fraudulent ones all the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't come across a new one with the revised version yet, but there are other aspects to the application that can indicate a fraudulent one. Um, We're going to talk about all of that today. We will. It's very important because, especially in Ontario... It's actually sad because everyone needs a house, you know, no matter how good or bad their credit is or whatever the situation, they need somewhere to live. Um, in, an, in Ontario, the um, Residential Tenancy Act makes it so that once a tenant is in, they are very hard to get out, which is like a double-edged sword. So they're doing it to protect the tenant. But because of this, landlords are extremely, they will scrutinize an application. And if you are not perfect, you are going to have a very hard time finding a rental. And that's where the fraudulent rental applications come in. Tenants will go out and pay people to create fake reports that look real. So you have to know how to find this stuff. And that's the first thing in my notes is that how important it is to know as a landlord or as a realtor, how many freelance people there are right across the globe that are currently specializing in selling tenant packages. And I mean, full-blown packages. Hundreds of dollars. Like I knew of one person that paid, I think, four or 500 bucks. So these people specialize in creating job letters for you. Like they will actually create on paper and even... They have people answering by phone and email. Yes. So they'll create a job for you, create a job letter and pay stubs. They'll have people that are answering the phones or responding to emails. They create websites. Yes. Job, uh, fake company websites. Fake company websites, fake LinkedIn profiles. Um, they'll use addresses where there's a suite number. So even if you Google map it, Street View map it, you won't be able to 100% identify it. <clears throat> so there are specialists that are doing this for tenants for their application process. Right. So it's important to know that those are currently 
very prominent in the marketplace. So as a landlord, we've talked about this in the past, it's important to get credit reports for anybody that's applying for the property. You want to have a rental application completely filled out with all of the pertinent information about the potential tenants. The most recent pay stubs. Concurrent. Concurrent. An employment letter. That can be hard to get, but depending <clears throat> on the company. So um, tenants listening or watching, uh, make sure you get that in advance. So if you know, oh, I'm going to have to find a new rental soon, speak to HR or whomever, your manager, depending on the process, and get it requested early. So where have we, well, first of all, all of those documents need to be scrutinized and cross-referenced. <clears throat> and ID. Excuse I don't me. know if you said ID, but ID is a good one for cross-referencing. Sure. Now, we have noticed that with some of these fraudulent applications, that as soon as you start cross-referencing them, because there are better... Better fraud packages out there than others. Depends on if they got the silver or the gold or the platinum. Yeah. <laughs> what level of Fiverr person did you hire? Um, sometimes when you're doing the cross-referencing, it becomes immediately apparent that something is off. So give you an example. The job letter says this person makes $100,000 a year working for XYZ company and the um, pay stub says XYZA company and it's $150,000 year to date income and it's October. So you start seeing things that might not line up, might yeah. not match up. Um, but where have we caught the most amount of fraudulent documents. Um, for me, inconsistencies in fonts and alignment of the document itself or the words. Formatting. The doc for formatting. Yes. Formatting. So you'll see sometimes. Paste, like any, <laughs> any standardized document. So if it's a pay stub or if it's a credit report, again, I haven't seen it with the new ones, but with the old credit reports, it was very common. Um, you would see formatting issues. If things are not consistent from one to the next, the alignment of numbers, it should always be the exact same. They're not printing this out on, you know, those old... We, dot matrix those Dot printers. matrix where it would do like whatever, you know, and if the paper was aligned slightly different, it would be understandable. These are pre-formatted PDFs being printed or just saved and sent to you. They need to be consistent. One of the first things I do is I take a sheet of paper... And I lined it up to the top of the document from the first um, yeah. first letter and then see how the other lines start. And yeah. sometimes you'll see a word, you know, three, four sentences down that is just in by like an eighth of an inch or something. Yeah. And that doesn't actually exist in a true document. Another thing that you've caught that I thought was uh, really interesting, 
is, I, I think it was credit reports. I can't remember. It must have been credit reports. They were printed documents off the web. So the, they had the header and footer with the URL in the footer right. and two different people submitting um, credit reports. So like husband and wife or whatever the scenario, um, two tenants for one property had different reports, but this exact same URL. Right. So they changed all the content, but they missed that. Yes. And that would be different if it was a true different report. Yes. And it's not to say these people are necessarily not good people either. Like they may just may be having trouble getting it because they have gone through a divorce and there's credit issues and they may be... It's, Job it's, instability. It can be very whatever. challenging. New immigrant. Yeah. Like I'm always very open to every scenario. Of course. But the moment I find somebody lying, they're done. Yeah. Right? 100%. Steve Cicchetto on our team had one recently. Okay, I'm not aware. Where he had a job letter and there were spelling errors in the job letter. The phone number for the business was not an operating number, but there was a number for the person that signed off on this job letter and it was just some random cell phone number, <laughs> you know, um, with no other kind of contact information or whatever. So it was, yeah. He called it? Yeah. And how did you know the conversation went? Because I find that's always interesting. Yeah, I I don't know specifically. Um, but Steve said within moments of having that discussion that he realized yeah. this is just some random dude that I'm talking to. Well, and the scary thing is that most of these people are re represented by a real estate agent. And there's usually one of two things happening. Either the real estate agent is in on it, which I have come across, or they are just oblivious and have no idea. You led right into my note about tips. As a realtor representing a tenant, or sorry, representing a landlord, or as a landlord yourself, first thing you should do is get a background story on the relationship that exists between the realtor and the prospective tenant. Yes, that is profoundly valuable. How do they know these people? Was it just a random lead that came through your email or from realtor.ca or... Um, from your website or whatever, and you just had them email you all the documents, you showed them a couple places and voila, here we go. Or is it oh, a former colleague of mine that I've known for years? and Or a client's son or whatever. Or a past client or yeah. like get, just get the story. Yeah. And like, and be able to substantiate and, and kind of corroborate your story, right? Like if you say you've known them for 10 years, I'll always go to their Facebook page and see if they're friends with each other, that sort of stuff. Or hey, we've if, talked about that a lot is doing the creep side yeah. of um, tenant uh, applications. Yes. So find out, are they on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. See where you can find them. Google their names. Google there. We had an applicant that was convicted. Uh, oh, you had that one coming convicted across Convicted felon. Desk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Google their email addresses, Google their current and previous places of residences. The most recent one I had, um, I was able to corroborate the guy's story because the agent... You're liking that word today. I am. Well, it's appropriate for this for this corroborate particular situation. So this agent had known the tenant for upwards of a decade. And I knew a few of the, I think there's two or three previous addresses that I had knowledge of. And I pulled the old listings for each of them. And sure enough, this agent was the uh, agent representing the buyer or tenant in this scenario, I guess, uh, in each of those transactions. So that gave me peace of mind. It's like, okay, well, he knows them personally. He's helped him on three other properties. You would assume that an agent would not represent a problematic tenant, uh, certainly not three times. Although don't make that assumption too easily because no. the realtor is off the hook anyway if there's any issues. Sure, and maybe he's paying him to help him, right? Who you knows? never know. But yeah. and and that and on that note, I would say any one thing in a transaction should not be um a deal breaker, but should also be scrutinized a little bit. Like mm-hmm. if someone has bad credit because of one thing, I won't say, I won't just say, okay, well, I'm not considering it. I'll say, well, what happened and why did it happen and what have they done to change it? Yeah. Lots of fraud going out there. You got to be careful. Do your due diligence, cross-reference everything. It yeah. is noticeable when documents are fraudulent. Uh, dates. Dates on pay stubs where it just doesn't make sense. Calculations. That is the biggest error we find on pay stubs. Yeah. Is something does not add up. So, and that's why I like to have even more than two uh, pay stubs that are concurrent. Yeah. So you get the last six weeks of their pay. So, so the last corroborate three, their story. You can corroborate their story. Um, the last three pay stubs even and do the math. So what? how much did they get paid in this pay and what is their year to date? And then add it up again on the next stub and see if- All their EI contributions, CPP, all that, 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 all e- that stuff. Make exactly. sure it's all changing with each And each changing in- relative fashion to what they it should be changing to right because oftentimes these um fraud fraudulent documents are from countries overseas um they're a lot of the poorer countries that are offering these services on a lot of freelance sites or whatever the dark web and all of a sudden, you know, maybe they're mad. Is the dark web? I never Ooh. understood. Stay what, tuned. I feel for the like next that's episode. something Ian would know about. <laughs> Don't Google it. Don't Google it. Yeah, you'll be on on a watch list. Yeah. Um, so lots of fraud out there. Be careful. Um, and to your point, Adrian, once the tenant has taken possession, it's too late. It's funny because, well, I mean, realistically, um, if you have a tenant who is in need of an eviction, whether it's due to no payment or damaging the property, whatever the reason is, the process could take you a year, realistically. Very, sure. you know, take you about now. six months just to uh, set a date. Um, and it'll cost you time and money. 
Yeah, absolutely. Over well, and above what you're losing from. Yeah. Lack it was of funny money. on April 1st this year for April Fools, somebody on a local real estate Facebook page um, posted something saying, oh, the uh, landlord and tenant board finally got the backlog of um, applications out of the way. And now there's just a two week wait. I yeah. thought that was funny. Yeah, because going through COVID when oh. everything was kind of shut down and yeah. Um, and a they lot froze evictions, making, they froze rent increases. There was professional renters just living rent free while or privately owned. couldn't afford because they were Well, working. that too, but a lot of people were taking advantage of the system and landlords were out, you know, in many cases, this is their livelihood or their retirement fund and they couldn't make payments. So anyway, that's it. Be careful. Do your due diligence, um, scrutinize the paperwork. And hire, honestly, hire a good real estate and agent. meet the people before you... Oh, we didn't even talk about that. That's important. Yeah. There's two steps in the process. One is verifying the documents and saying, okay, is this person worthy of getting to phase two of the plan? So phase one is qualifying them on, doc, on paper. Stage two is corroborating their story <laughs> in person. It's easy to lie on paper. It's not easy to lie in person. Or virtually. Well, you virtually, can, just you, to see them face-to-face, -face, yes. Yeah, a face-to-face yeah, -face It's not meeting. always feasible. I had a guy in Toronto that applied for a place in Milton, and I didn't want to drag him all the way to here, and I sure wasn't going to Toronto. So we had a virtual call, and I met him and his uh, fiance, and they were very nice people. And Right. If you get a bad gut feeling... Follow it. Follow your gut, and test these people when you meet them face-to-face. Uh, ask them to explain some of those documents. Oh, I see you work for XYZ company. How long have you been there for? Or even, and, don't even say XYZ company. Say, who do you work for again? Right. Right. Play stupid. Yeah. yeah. I do the same with references. For sure. Right. If it's an existing landlord, which may be a fake person, you say, oh, you know, I have a client or a tenant applying for a property to rent. Their name is whatever. They're uh, at your property on, I think, you know, Anywhere Street in Milton. What's the house number? Oh, okay. How many units is that? Or how many bedrooms is that? Yeah, just ask questions. Just ask questions to see if they know what they're talking about. The story has to line up. Yeah. Because somebody that's telling the truth, the story will remain consistent. Yes. Right? It's kind of like um, uh, you're putting them on the, um, taking them to court. Yes. You're grilling them. So it's necessary. And a lot of tenants out there complain about this, but in Ontario specifically, it is absolutely necessary. Uh, so if you're not willing to go through the motions of providing all your personal information, you're just quite simply going to, you're not going to find a place to rent. And if you do, I guarantee you it's a landlord that you do not want to have as a landlord because they're. You mean a tenant? No, no, the tenant finds a landlord who doesn't care oh, who's I there. See. Sorry. It's probably a mold infested place with problems that are never going to be taken care of. And it's important for the tenant as well to have a good landlord as it is a landlord to have a good tenant. Well said. Goodbye. There you have it. Thanks for watching episode 235. If you enjoyed the podcast, show us some love and hit the subscribe button. Hopefully today's content helps you as a landlord to find the right tenant.